Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Chad and PK both sent me a note and said, Steve, check this out. This is a little unusual. And a lot of organizations have talked about this story, including Jalopnik, a, uh, an online site that I've written for in the past. I love me my Jalopnik. But this is an unusual case involving a car company because General Motors got hit with a $102 million jury verdict in a class action over defective engines. So we've talked many times about class action lawsuits. Class action lawsuits often get filed on behalf of a class. The attorneys sit down with the defendants. They work something out. Next thing you know, you're all getting coupons for a pair of you know, floor mats and uh, a dollar off your next oil change. And the attorneys got $3.9 million apiece for their work. And so people say there's never any substantial relief for the class members, or if there is, it just gets divided up over so many people that it, it, it doesn't wind up being much for each individual. But number one, substantial relief. Number two, it went to trial. This, this, this is actually the lead that many people buried, and that is that this is a class action that went to trial. And the trial jury came back and said, yes, we award damages to the class against General Motors. So stories from businesswire.com, and some of this is directly from a press release issued by the law firm for the plaintiffs. But I did look around to make sure there's other information out there and that this is actually fairly accurate, which it appears to be. So uh, out of San Francisco, in a rare class action trial verdict, a California federal jury today found that the nation's largest automobile manufacturer hid an engine defect that resulted in excessive oil consumption, leading to engine damage, engine stalling, and premature breakdown in tens of thousands of General Motors uh, 5.3-liter SUVs and light trucks. The jury returned a $102.6 million verdict against GM in the class action lawsuit led by a national plaintiff's trial firm, Discello and Levitt. And I could be mispronouncing that, and I apologize if I am, but um, the cello and Levitt appears to be close. And that was on behalf of owners and lessees of GM trucks and SUVs sold between 2011 and 2014 in the states of California, North Carolina, and Idaho. So that's where they got the class certified. I'm not sure what happened with the other 47 states. And it very well could be that it has to do with the wording of the statutes in those three states, which we'll talk about in a second. But those vehicles all contained the company's Generation 4 Vortec 5300 LC9, the LC9. Case was tried in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California and uh, filed in late 2016. The lawsuit claimed that internal GM documents showed that the company was quickly alerted to a defect with the piston rings in the engines that resulted in the vehicles consuming too much oil. The excess oil infiltrated other parts of the engine where it didn't belong, resulting in damage and eventually premature engine breakdown and failure. And of course, there's a, a, an obvious thing that uh, if piston rings go bad, it's possible that uh, you have uh, oil getting simply into the wrong part of the cylinder and uh, basically ending up going out the tailpipe, which <laughs> is not supposed to be where the oil goes. And so there could be all kinds of other issues here, but the uh, bad rings are obviously a serious problem. Now, obviously, those could be remedied, you would think, by putting in different rings, 
except it appears there's something unusual about the engine and the relationship it has with its piston rings. By 2010, GM recommended to its dealers that they clean the pistons of the vehicles in question. That solution was ineffective, and company engineers and other employees recommended that the piston ring design be changed. GM made other ineffective engine design changes in 2011, but the oil consumption issues persisted until GM finally discontinued production of the engine following the 2014 model year. So the argument is that there's something faulty with the piston ring setup, whether it's the rings themselves or something in which uh, they interact. We don't know that. But Christopher Stombaugh, lead trial counsel in the case and a partner at the Chell and Levitt, said, I'm exceptionally proud of our trial team for its tireless preparation and aggressive advocacy in this case. I'm also thankful for the courage of the jury, which did the right thing in holding GM responsible for its deceit and half-hearted efforts to address its problems. None of this would have been possible without the assistance of our co-lead trial counsel at Beasley Allen and our additional co-counsel, Jenny Anderson of Andrus Anderson and Anthony Garcia of AG Law. I thank them for their contributions and commitment to our trial strategy. So a lot of attorneys were involved, but as you can imagine, bringing a case to trial and trying it in front of a jury involving this much stuff would take a lot of work. The jury found that GM violated the implied warranty of merchantability to California plaintiffs. So they breached the implied warranty of merchantability to California plaintiffs. We've talked about that before. The implied warranty of merchantability is the notion that something will do what it's supposed to do. And if you get it from a merchant with respect to goods of that kind, they don't have to tell you that. So if you go to a lawnmower dealer and you see a lawnmower and you go, I'll buy it, and they sell it to you, you can presume that it will mow your lawn. That's an implied warning merchantability in the simplest terms. Now, some people are going to say, but Steve, General Motors is not a merchant with respect to these plaintiffs because GM sells the vehicles to dealers. Dealers pass it along. But uh, there are situations where the warranties can be sent back to the manufacturers uh, legally. So General Motors, as you know, sells vehicles with warranties. And those warranties come from the manufacturer. And in fact, the dealerships are very quick to point out in having you sign documents that say that you understand the warranties don't come from the dealer. They come from the manufacturer. And the Uniform Commercial Code actually says that if you extend an express warranty to somebody uh, with respect to the goods, that then there is an implied warranty merchantability that accompanies that. And so that would be how you get here, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they also found that the breach of implied warranty merchantability spoke to North Carolina vehicle owners. And in Idaho, it was that they breached the provisions of the Idaho Consumer Protection Act. It awarded each of the class members $2,700. There were 38,000 class members. So the grand total, when you do the math, is $102.6 million, 102.6. Now, I can tell you that when you are doing a trial and you're the plaintiff and the jury asks for a calculator, that is often a good sign. Uh, if you're a defense attorney and the jury asks for a calculator, that's a bad sign. Okay, just <laughs> pro tip. Adam Levitt, co-trial counsel in the matter, and a DiCello Levitt founding partner said, very few class action cases ever go to trial, let alone to verdict. This one did, and we did it. As a trial first law firm, our responsibility is to obtain the best possible results for our clients and the classes that we represent. 
It's extremely gratifying to see the jury respond so favorably to our trial team's relentless preparation and trial presentation. <laughs> they keep talking about the preparation. And like I said, it's just a lot of paperwork, I assure you. The DiCello Levitt trial team members included Levitt, Stambaugh, John Tangren, Dan Ferry, Mark Abramowitz, and Joseph Freight. The case was Rawl Securos at Al versus General Motors LLC. And uh, it was in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California. Uh, and there, believe it or not, is a copy of the jury verdict available uh, if the media requests it. I also did poke around and I found a story of this on Reuters. On Reuters. And Reuters quotes General Motors as saying in a statement that it did not believe the verdict was supported by the evidence and they plan to appeal. They plan to appeal. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, they take this up on appeal. Um, it could get affirmed on appeal and stay the way it is. Uh, it could get reduced on appeal. Uh, or, you know, nothing might happen, which would be affirming it, I guess. But point is, we'll have to see what happens. I've mentioned before that if you want to appeal a verdict, quite often you have to post a bond. Uh, General Motors probably is in a position if they wanted to, to post a bond in a case like this. The average person wouldn't be able to, but obviously GM probably could if they wanted to. And the question is, do you post the bond and then know that you're going to be on this very, very long appellate road and hope that you get something good at the end of it. Otherwise, uh, if you get you know, rejected on appeal, uh, the bond then goes towards paying of this and so on. But the more interesting thing is that the class members, of whom there are 38,000, got $2,700 each. So if you are a member of this class, uh, you'd probably be notified. You probably have been notified all along this is going on. But also, obviously, you got to wait till the appeals are finished and all that. But as of right now, as it sits, you would get a check for $2,700. And that's just cash. That's cash. Now, what I'm most curious about, and I could not find this anywhere, is we know what the complaint was. The complaint was I bought or leased a vehicle that had this engine in it. It had a bad design problem. They knew it was there. They never figured it out, but they didn't let people know it was there and so on and so forth. And now, you can argue all you want about whether or not GM did that. Point is, the jury found in favor of the plaintiffs against GM. What I'm curious about before, and I've, and I've talked about this, is that if you win a lawsuit, you've got to show liability, that is, somebody owes me something, and damages, and that is what they owe you. And I'm curious to know where the $2,700 came from. Because $2,700 probably would not be enough to yank one engine out and drop in another. Full engine replacement. I, I can't imagine that being done for $2,700. Would it be enough to repair the engine, though, if you had one of these? Or is that like the average damages that the typical owner of one of these had who had it, it had problems, they brought it in under warranty a bunch of times and then just sold it, and they took a hit on the trade-in? We call that diminution in value. That is, the value is diminished. The diminution in value. That's a possibility also. Because keep in mind that to have a class action, you've got to show that you've got representative people there who represent people who are similarly situated. People in similar situations. And so all these people that we're talking about, tens of thousands of them, um, 38,000 of them, have these vehicles, the vehicles have problems. 
But as you can imagine, each one of them is probably a little different in each way, right? So this one here just suffered massive oil consumption while the person owned it. They just kept dumping oil in, okay? Somebody else got sick of it, and they brought it in and said, rebuild the engine. Somebody over here got sick of it and just traded it in. But class actions don't require that every single person be identically situated, similarly situated. It's similar. And so the problems they go through are similar. And there's actually case law that says that the damages do not need to be identical from one to the other. The damages can be different. They look more at whether the facts surrounding the underlying claim are similar. And so then the question becomes, is the $2,700 possibly like an average of what the average person was out? If you look at, you know, some of them did this, some of them did that, some of them did this, and we lump it all together, and eh, 2700 bucks. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said at the beginning, $2,700 is certainly more than you hear about people getting when a class action is resolved and you get the postcard in the mail and you open it up and says, this right here is a discount coupon <laughs> for your next meal at Big Boy or something. So it's a, it's a substantial win. And like I said, and, and these people believe this to be true too, and I think they're accurate, is that you so rarely hear of class actions going to trial at all, at all. So going to trial and getting a jury verdict that's in hundreds of millions of dollars, that's a huge win. That is a huge win. That is a walk-off home run in Game 7. That's what that is, okay? So General Motors hit with a $102.6 million jury verdict in class action over defective engines. That's from businesswire.com. Chad and PK both sent it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Relax. One bad chapter does not mean it's the end of the book.